0: Time for the Vintage Truth podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher Jeff Kinley. Hey everybody, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. It's a Monday and one week a month, I do two podcasts a week, four weeks a month. And so one week out of every month, from now on, I'm going to dedicate to issues related to Bible prophecy. Now, I've covered a lot of things regarding Bible prophecy in the 45 previous episodes, 46 previous episodes I've done, but one week a month, I'm going to spend two episodes specifically talking about Bible prophecy. And I'd like to begin this week by asking the question, why is Revelation in the Bible? I mean, haven't you ever wondered that? I mean, why did God even put the book of Revelation in the Bible? It's it's kind of a, a weird book, if you think about it, and in some ways, just from reading through it maybe one time or hearing about it, you might say to yourself, well, this doesn't really fit in the rest of the Bible. I mean, you know, God had one last book to write. You know, Genesis started with a bang. <laughs> anyway, Genesis started, and it was incredible. It's like Revelation is this amazing ending, but Wow. Why is it even there? And, you know, people have debated the meaning of Revelation and whether or not it is to be taken literally or symbolically or metaphorically or some other way in history. And, you know, the way that I see Revelation as I study the Bible, it appears to me as if Revelation was meant to be taken as it was written. In other words, when you read it, that's exactly what's going to happen. I do not believe that Revelation has already taken place simply because of the fact that nowhere in recorded history are any of these events recorded in Revelation, specifically in uh, chapters 6 through 19. There's nothing like it anywhere in human history. And you might be able to find you know some similarity or whatever, but never has third of the earth's population been burned up or millions of demonic locusts grasshopper creatures coming out of the ground, stinging people for five months, or 100-pound hailstones, or, or a third of the rivers turned to blood. Never seen that in history. So I don't think it's happened before. And I also don't think that it's just merely symbolism. Because if you think that Revelation is a symbolic book, I got news for you. It's anybody's guess as to what all of those symbols might mean. So yes, there are symbols in the Book of Revelation, but they're fairly obvious when you see them. So I don't believe that Revelation was uh, fulfilled in the first century, 70 A.D. with the destruction of Jerusalem. Many reasons for that, uh, not the least of which is some of the early or many of the early church fathers uh, did not believe that Revelation was fulfilled during that time. Also, the the church at Smyrna that we that we read about in Revelation, uh, chapters two and three of the the seven churches didn't even exist until sixty five AD, the church there. Polycarp wrote that, by the way, in one ten AD. Laodicea was still recovering from an incredible, devastating earthquake in sixty AD. They would not have been described as being rich and in need of nothing. It took a whole generation for them to rebuild. For those reasons and many more, I believe that Revelation was written around ninety five AD, or sometime in the nineties. Now, having said that, why? Why did God give us this bizarre book of the Bible? Well, keep in mind that Revelation is literally God's final message to the church. And it was written to the church, by the way. The book of Revelation was not written to the world. It wasn't written to Rome. It wasn't written to pagan countries. It was written to the church. It wasn't written primarily to Israel. It was written to the church, to the seven churches. And it follows the authorial intent of Revelation when you read the first several chapters. Is that God gave Revelation not just to reveal a chronology or a timetable or some sort of of literary topographical map about what's going to happen in the end days. It wasn't just that, but it was written to arouse a sleeping church so that she might prepare herself for Christ's return not shrink away at his coming. So yes, we get this verbal panorama of the end times, but it's written to motivate us to prepare for Christ's imminent return. You know, what's really interesting too is that as you read the book of Revelation, we learn a lot about mankind. We learn a lot about mankind. We learn, for example, in Revelation 6, that even after these horrible judgments are beginning to be unleashed on planet Earth, that people just don't fall on their face and repent. You would think they would. But the Bible says instead they, they try to hide from God and they curse God over and over and over again. And the Bible says they refuse to repent of their sin. So we learn a lot about man. We also learn a lot about God as well. We learn a lot about who the Father is because we understand from Revelation that God and Jesus and, of course, the Holy Spirit that God is a God of wrath. He's not just a God of, of grace and of love, but he's also a God of wrath. He's a God of righteous retribution. We, we see that not only with the seal, bowl, and trumpet judgments uh, that, are, that are poured out during the book of Revelation, but we also see it in the return of Christ himself when he comes to slay his enemies by the sword that comes out of his mouth. So there's this unifying theme that goes all throughout Revelation about Christ, the Christ who is, the Christ who brings these judgments, the Christ who is returning, the Christ who is re- who is going to reign during the millennial kingdom. And as we read through Revelation, we learn a lot about the church as well. We learned that the church, by this time in history, had really gone. Not just off course, I mean, off the map, okay? I mean, the churches in Revelation 2 through 3, those seven churches in Asia Minor, were really emblematic. They're really a picture of the church as a whole and how we stray from God's vintage truth. In fact, we find out in Revelation 2 through 3 that the church had was tolerating false doctrine. And allowing false teachers to come into the church, you know, we typically think of that as being sort of the local church. But, but guess what? With everything that's going on in Christian publishing, in the blogosphere, with podcasts like this, with vlogs, YouTube videos, Christian television programs, Christian speakers and authors, authors and lecturers—these people that are communicating ideas into the Christian community. And many of them, many of them are false teachers. Many of them are adulterating the word of God. They're bastardizing God's truth. And that's one of the reasons that Dr. Mark Hitchcock and I came together to write the coming apostasy, exposing the sabotage of Christianity from within. Because the Bible says in the last days, Some will fall away from the faith. There's going to be an apostasy of falling away from the faith in the last days. We're seeing that. So one of the reasons Revelation was written was to counteract this false doctrine, false teachers. The church also, we learned about the church, that she had become self-absorbed. And she thought she was it. She loved herself. She put on parties for herself, man. She was complacent. She was lukewarm. She was apathetic. But she was also very, very prideful and really paid more attention to herself than she did to her God. We learned that the church was off mission. She was not fulfilling the purpose for which she was created. And we also learned that the church had no spirit of expectancy for the return of Jesus Christ. She had also fallen out of love with Christ as well. So when you begin to read Revelation, you find out that the book is not just written to inform us, but rather to transform those who are expectantly awaiting his return. The book of Revelation, as I described in my book, Wake the Bride, it's, it's like a quad shot of espresso to a slumbering church. That's what it is. It's like getting this, this quadruple shot of espresso and just, just downing it. Man, all of a sudden, it's like everything in your body is on fire. I mean, your eyes are lit up. You're paying attention right now. You're, you're sensing what's going on because you're awake. and That's exactly what Jesus says in Revelation 3 2, to the church. He says, wake up. Wake up. You don't need to say wake up to people who are already awake. You tell that to, a pe- to people who are sleeping. You know, as a pastor for many years, whether it be in a large church or a small church, I could always tell who was sleeping on me. (laughs) And, And typically it was the same people over and over, week by week. They would just nod off and, you know, go into their own little dream world. Jesus says to the church, wake up. Now, we don't really tackle revelation like we should in the church today. And there are many reasons why we often neglect or even ignore completely this inspired book of Scripture. I think one reason is because some pastors, some Christians just don't touch prophecy at all, okay? Prophecy is kind of like, you know, we'll get to that one day. People have even said this to me, you know, prophecy is not my thing. And I just want to say, is the Bible your thing? Is inspired Scripture your thing? Is 28% of the Bible your thing? I mean, if prophecy is not your thing, then the Bible is not your thing. Because 28% of the Bible was prophetic when it was written. And there are hundreds of prophecies yet to be fulfilled. So, yeah, if you're a Christian, prophecy is your thing, Bub. Okay? That's number one. But we often neglect that because we don't think prophecy is really that important to us. Secondly, admittedly, by definition, Futuristic prophecy seems kind of far off in the future. It's kind of like someone saying, "Hey, you better um, better put aside for your kids' education," and your kid's like you know two weeks old or something, or you better prepare for for winter. You better seal up those windows real real good so the draft doesn't get in, and it's in July. You just don't see a need for it, right? It just seems so far away, and that's what the prophecies in Revelation seem like. Sometimes it seems like they're far away, but as we'll see in some future podcasts, they're really a lot closer than you might think. So it seems like it's off in the future. Another reason is because prophecy just seems, especially in Revelation, it seems like it's hard to understand. You go, well, okay, I can go to Micah and see where it says, you know, that Jesus, or the Messiah, will be born in Bethlehem because it just says it, right? Right that's that's kind of an easy prophecy but when you get to some of these prophecies in revelation you go how are we even supposed to know how these things are going to be fulfilled so it, it seems hard to understand maybe maybe off limits to you at your current pay grade as a christian you know your current level of instruction education experience expertise your maturity level whatever and sometimes we think that revelation is only for Kind of the PhDs or what I call the PNTs, the prophecy nerd types. Because you know sometimes people who are into prophecy are kind of seen that way. You know they're just kind of kind of these little geeky folks that are just kind of trying to figure out these little tiny, obscure, insignificant truths that the Bible talks about. Or they're just old people that well you know we did prophecy back in our day, so yeah, keep prophecy alive, that kind of thing, right? So we kind of relegate that because prophecy is hard to understand, right? Another reason why we avoid revelation is because we don't really see how relevant or how practical it is to our lives right now. It's like, man, I need something for the now, man. I'm, I'm trying to get through a job that I hate. I'm, I've got screaming kids at home. I've got a spouse that doesn't understand me. A boss that's on my back. I've got health problems, and you want to talk to me about Armageddon? I mean, what what possible practical application could Revelation have to my life? Well, you can say that about any book of the Bible until you get into it. <laughs> I mean, until you visit Revelation, until you study it, until you hear it taught to you, until you read about it, a good book about it, then, yeah, you're going to say that. I, I get it, okay? But the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, that all Scripture is profitable for correction, for reproof, for instruction, for training in righteousness that the person, the man of God, the woman of God, may be perfect, mature, complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every Scripture is inspired. Genesis to Revelation. And then another reason is why people want to just engage Revelation because they they just think it's it's only for certain people that, you know, it's kind of the, the china in the cabinet. Every now and then maybe, but let's not go there much. You know what's crazy about that more than anything else is that we actually may be on the verge as a human race of seeing the prophecies of Revelation come to pass And at no time in the last 2,000 years is Revelation more applicable and appropriate for Christians to tackle. So for that reason alone, that we are living in the last days and are closer to Revelation than ever before is, to me, a compelling reason why we should tackle this important book. Sadly, though, most Christians can't tell you much about Revelation apart from maybe the scriptural scraps they picked up along the way, kind of like breadcrumbs on a trail. Over the years, like a bird's nest, they've kind of accumulated these little apocalyptic tidbits. You know, they've gathered from various sources and places and men and teachers and sermons and all this stuff, and they kind of put them together in this little crazy little bird's nest that is their eschatology or their belief about the end times but they have little clue as to how the book or prophecy itself relates to their everyday life and so they go let's just open the Psalms let's talk about Jesus and the Gospels that kind of thing (laughs) but here's the deal ignoring Revelation is like speaking with someone you love very much and then they say to you this they say this and there's one more thing I really want you to know don't ever forget this And then you turn and walk away. And they're like, "Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I was in the middle of a sentence here. I was about to tell you the last thing I was going to ever tell you. And you walked away. That's what God feels like when we walk away from Revelation. Hey, church, Christian, it's time to pay attention. It's time to pay attention to Revelation. Because the last chapter of of God's book, the Bible, there is a climactic crescendo of of truth. Jesus is saying, don't fall asleep on me now. In the middle of this story, I'm about to tell you how not only how it's going to end, but how it's going to end. You know what I'm saying? Not just what's going to happen, but how it's going to happen. And you think that you have accumulated all the knowledge you need to know about me and about yourself? And about humanity, and about the way I work in history, about what my character is like. Revelation is a warehouse of truth about all those things, and you as a Christian need to know about it. So we can't make the mistake that the early church made of being asleep about God's truth. And you know I'm reminded of the story when Jesus is walking down the road with the the disciples on the road to Emmaus. This is right after his his uh, resurrection. And it's in Luke chapter 24. And it's amazing that they're talking and all of a sudden Jesus starts walking with this is the resurrected Christ starts walking with them. There's one of them it, it actually names him the guy's name is Cleopas or Cleopas. And he says to Christ, he says, hey, are you the only person visiting Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened here? And Jesus said, what things? And the guy goes, Jesus, the things, the things about Jesus the Nazarene. He goes on to tell them all about it and stuff. And when they get to the end of this story, Jesus says to him, Oh foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You know, Christ doesn't say, guys, I get it, prophecy was hard. It's hard stuff, that future stuff that I wrote in my Bible. It's hard. Hey, don't worry about it. We'll have a seminar. We'll explain it all to you. You know what Christ said to them? He said, you guys are acting like fools. You claim to be my disciple, and yet you have, you don't have a clue as to what my Bible says about me and the prophecies leading. That's what he said. Foolish men, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken let me ask you a question. Are you slow to believe all that the prophet has spoken in Revelation? John, this with this prophetic literature, are you, are you still slumbering? Are you still wondering if this stuff is even worth diving into? Hey, prophecy is staring you in the face. Don't fall asleep. Don't nod off. Most importantly, don't walk away. Jesus wants to tell you something. Hey, we'll pick it up again on Friday. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.